Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Here on Bible Crossfire, we're very interested in finding out what the Bible has to say on any particular topic. You know, there are a lot of controversial topics in the religious world and maybe some that aren't so controversial. We're interested in hearing what the Bible has to say about any topic. Doesn't matter if it's controversial or not controversial. They're all basically the same importance. You know, God doesn't care who we pull for, Alabama or Auburn football. He doesn't care. How do we know? Because he doesn't tell us. But when God does tell us something, then he does care. So we don't have the right to say, for example, well, I know, here's what I've heard people tell me, I know the Bible teaches that we ought to immerse for baptism. And I don't think it really matters to God. I don't, I don't really think it matters. I don't think God cares. We don't have the right to say that. See, God tells us that baptism should be a burial, Romans 6 verse 4, then it matters to God. I thought I'd talk today while we're waiting on our first call about using the Bible as our guidebook. And by the way, the lines are wide open. 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, Call us at 877-655-6755. You know, the Bible baseball rule book defines a game as baseball, the rule book, and it differentiates it from all other games. Say a group of boys play a game together using the baseball rule book as their guide. Then they're playing baseball. Likewise, when people practice religion using the Bible as their guide, then they're practicing Christianity. But what happens if they stop using the Bible as their guidebook? What happens if a group of boys who stop, what if they are playing baseball, but then they stop using the baseball rule book and start using a completely different rule book? Are they still playing baseball? No. And so if people stop using the Bible as their guide and they start using their own rules, then they're not really practicing Christianity anymore. Let me illustrate. We read in the Birmingham News, August 2003, quote, The Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop, the Reverend Gene Robinson. This is in 2003. We have many times departed from Scripture, replied Robinson. Robinson cited the examples of ordaining women priests and accepting divorce in the church as departures. And this is a quote from this newly ordained gay bishop, Robinson. He says, just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. Let me repeat what he said. This is a guy that's supposed to be a bishop in a church. He says, just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. Well, I thought that's exactly what made something wrong if it was a departure from Scripture. I think this quote is a good illustration of what I'm talking about. This bishop in the Episcopal Church is admitting outright that the Episcopal Church does not still use the Bible as their guidebook. He said just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. They're not using the Bible as their guidebook anymore and they're admitting it. They're admitting it. Now what that quote was saying um is that the Episcopal Church ordained its first bishop in 2003, gay bishop. And the new gay bishop admitted him 
admitted becoming a bishop was a departure from Scripture, but justified such by saying departures from Scripture by this church, the Episcopal Church, in the past, allowing women preachers and divorce and remarriage were not considered wrong, and so neither should this departure from Scripture ordaining a gay bishop be considered wrong. So the Episcopal Church is admitting they don't follow the Bible anymore, that following the Scriptures is not what makes something right religiously anymore. Now let me suggest that most churches take this same attitude. Most churches don't follow the Bible as their guidebook anymore. The Bible should be our guidebook. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 reads this way. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible teaches about itself that it should be used as the guidebook in religion. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So it's the Bible that defines for us what God's truth is. And of course, we all remember John eight thirty two says, Only the truth will make us free from sin. It's very important that we follow the truth. John eight thirty two says, If we don't, we won't be made free from sin. John seventeen seventeen says that God's word is truth. In other words, the truth is defined by the Bible, God's word. And Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says this scripture is what is going to make is what thoroughly furnishes us into all good works. It's what's to be used for doctrine. In other words, it's our guidebook. But as we've seen, a lot of churches are not using the Bible as their guidebook anymore. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You may be thinking, I've heard people say this before, Pat, why are you talking about other churches like this? Well, if you're a member of a church like this, and you see a quote like that, that just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. Wouldn't you want to know? I would. If I was part of a church that's not that's admitting that they don't use the Bible, the Scriptures, as their guidebook anymore, I would sure want to know. That's why. I'm trying to help people know what's going on. I'm trying to warn them about what's going on. There are all kind of churches out there that claim to be full of Christians, they claim to be following the Bible, but they admit openly they're not following the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about homosexuality in contrast to what that gay bishop said. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 from the New King James Version. It says, Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This is like one of, there's four or five places in the New Testament 
where there's a list of sins like this. And in, in, at the end of this list of sins, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. For example, it says a drunkard. A drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. So a drunkard is not going to be saved. Now, this doesn't mean a drunkard can't repent and receive forgiveness and be saved. No, if a drunkard quits drinking, if he repents and quits drinking, he's not a drunkard anymore. So this verse wouldn't apply to him because this says drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. If he quits drinking, he's not a drunkard anymore. But don't you notice two words in this list of sins, homosexuals and sodomites. Two different Greek words here. The one translated homosexuals, that's the one that takes on the feminine role in the male homosexual relationship. The sodomite is the one that takes the male role. Both types of gay men are condemned here. It says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to be saved. Yet we have the Episcopal Church ordaining its first gay bishop in 2003, which was 17 years ago. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Let me mention also the website for the program is BibleCrossfire.com. You can go there. You can actually listen to the program live. But you can go there and to listen to previous programs, or you can go there and it'll give you a link so you, you can easily send me an email, possibly to ask a Bible question or to start a Bible conversation so we can talk about the Bible all the way throughout the week. If you would like the thing I've been advertising for the last two or three months, the one-hour phone Bible study with me, of course, that's free of charge. We just work out a time when we can study the Bible by phone for an hour. Go to BibleCrossFire.com and send me an email saying you'd like to do a phone Bible study like that. So we're talking about, at this point, about homosexuality. And I want you to notice that in the last few years, both the Presbyterian Church, USA, and the United Methodist Church switched their stance to allow gay preachers and gay marriages. Let me read you some quotes. But before we do that, we'll take this call. Joe from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, according to what you just said, as far as the standard, if it's mentioned in the Bible by God, then therefore it's something that we should do. If that's the case, then why do we as a group of people say that we worship on Sunday when the Bible clearly says in, in the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? So I've always wondered about that. Okay. Well, let's talk about that, Joe. That's a very good question. Uh, you don't have to tell me exactly where, but whereabouts you live in Tennessee? Middle Tennessee, West Tennessee, East Tennessee? Memphis. Memphis. West Tennessee. I'm in near Huntsville, Alabama. But here's a passage okay. in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So the first day is mentioned in regard to worship. Another passage, Joe, along those lines is Acts 20, verse 7. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 also mentions the first day of the week in regard to worship. It says that upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, and we know that's talking about the Lord's Supper or the communion based upon 1 Corinthians 10.16, which says the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
So upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So Joe, the congregation I worship with, that's why we come together on the first day of the week to have the collection, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, to do the Lord's Supper, the communion, and to have preaching. Does that make sense, Joe? It, it makes sense, but, but what happens to the Ten Commandments when God says, okay. I remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, that, most people a, on Saturday works. They do other stuff. I'm not sure a whole lot of people actually come together and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Yeah. Let, let's turn. Do you, you probably Do you have your Bible handy, Joe? No, or I'm you driving? driving back to it. Okay. Yes, I am. So I'm going to read to you Colossians 2, 14 through 17. So you're going to have to listen carefully since you really can't follow along. This is talking about Jesus. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 14, says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the Bible here is talking about some ordinances, meaning laws ordained by God. It says that Jesus blotted them out, took them out of the way, and nailed them to the cross. Does, whatever ordinances he's talking about, Joe, does it sound like we still have to keep them or we don't have to keep them? We don't have to keep them, but isn't that in reference to the book of Judges when he gave Muslim laws? So don't eat pork, don't eat this, don't do that. Now, I don't, I don't recall anything as far as the Ten Commandments concerned that he's saying that we don't do or that we don't, like, say, honor your mother and father. He doesn't blot that out. That's always okay. one, and he says, go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay, so that's okay, Joe. I appreciate you being so courteous to me to, to allow me to say something. So we're agreed that whatever ordinances he's talking about, since he says they're blotted out, taken out of the way, and nailed to the cross, that they're no longer binding today, right? Right. Right. Now, let's move on in the context of verse 16, and he's going to give us some examples of the laws he's talking about, the, some ordinances that he's talking about that have been blotted out, taken out of the way, and nailed to the cross. Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So the Sabbath, Joe, is specifically mentioned in the New Testament as one of the ordinances that Jesus blotted out took out of the way and nailed to his cross. So this specifically is saying the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, is no longer binding as law for today. It's in the same category, Joe, as circumcision, animal sacrifices, the Leverite marriage law. These are all laws in the Old Testament that are not in the New. And since they're not in the New and we're under New Testament law today, we don't have to keep those laws. Does that make sense, Joe? Yes, it does. And what book is this again? This is Colossians 2, verses 14 through 17. Okay, okay. Now, Joe, you know, I, don't want, I would never want you or anybody else to accept anything I say just because I say it. I know you wouldn't. Remember, only the Bible is from God. Any man can be wrong. So I want you to go and read that passage for yourself, check it out, and, and get back with me and tell me what you think. Okay, Joe? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I would definitely, when I get to get home, I would definitely look that up. All right, that's Colossians two fourteen through 17. Thank you for your call, Joe. Hey, thank you for uh, being so patient with me. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for being patient with me. So, so what we have here is Joe had a very good question. Why do people worship on the first day of the week when the Ten Commandments say, basically, remember the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day of the week? And we went through 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, Acts 20, verse 7, that shows that people worshiped in the New Testament times on the first day of the week, had the collection, did the communion, the Lord's Supper, had preaching. And then we looked at Colossians 2, verses 14 through 17, which specifically mentions the Sabbath as being one of the laws that had been blotted out, taken out of the way, and nailed to the cross. So people immediately talk about, well, well Pat, are you saying we don't have to teach the Ten Commandments today? No, we don't. Not really. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. That was part of the Old Testament law. The New Testament law is what we have to keep. Nine of the Ten Commandments, like don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, nine of the ten are in the New Testament. So the reason it's wrong for us to kill, steal, and commit adultery today is not because the Ten Commandments, the old law said, that was for the law just for the Jews uh, for that time. Matter of fact, Colossians 2 said it was nailed to the cross. So it ceased being binding binding when Jesus died on the cross. Now it's wrong to kill because the New Testament says it's wrong to kill. Now it's wrong to steal and commit adultery because the New Testament says it's wrong to steal and commit adultery. But one of the Ten Commandments is not in the New Testament, and that is the Sabbath. Jeff from Ohio, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, like I told your trainer, sir, I wanted to chime in on this real quick. Uh, you said that in Colossians 2, uh, Paul was quoted as saying about neither meat nor drink or Sabbath day and all that, right? Uh, can you tell us the audience of the people that he was addressing? In other words, the people around the area, they were all pagans, right? He was writing to Christians. No, I'm not talking about the letter addressed to Colossians. I was talking about the area around the church. They were mostly pagans, right? I don't know. All I know is it was written to Christians. To the saints okay, and faithful wait. brethren in Christ. Colossians 1 verse 2. I don't know what the thing was. I imagine there was a lot of people that are around there that weren't Christians, if that's what you're asking. Now, as far as yeah. pagans, I don't know that. I don't know that they, what, what the area was like. Sorry. I'm not that informed. But the reason why I ask that is because uh, they were around like 600 miles away from... Uh, Jerusalem, so Colossae is, I think it's in Turkey, right? I don't know. Okay. Well, if, if, if let's just say if, uh, that there were a lot of pagans around, then he, what Sabbath and feast day and uh, laws would he be telling them or, uh, you know, not to do if they're surrounded by pagans that are like Jews, uh, priests, Levites, etc., etc.? The reason why I well, ask that question, you know, because you could just as easily say that he was exhorting these Christians to do the exact opposite. Because if you go to Second Peter, this is the only reason why I mentioned it, and I'll let you go after this. If you go to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14 and 17, right, Peter says that Paul is hard to understand. And those who are unlearned in the Scriptures, and by the Scriptures, of course, he's talking about the Old Testament, because the New Testament wasn't codified to at least what the third, fourth century, right? So he's probably talking about the Old Testament in this verse. Will wrestle the Scriptures to their own, own destruction because they are ignorant of the Scriptures. And as you mentioned, the thing about the Sabbath being done away with, but in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, Messiah himself is quoted as saying, 
many will come on to me in that day saying, Lord, did we not do miracles in your names and signs and wonders and cast out devils? And I'll say to you, I depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. The Greek word for iniquity, sir, is lawlessness. So I find okay. it personally very believe. Thank you for your call, Jeff. Thank you for your call, Jeff. I appreciate that. And so I would agree with Jeff 100%. Matthew 7.21 says the only people going to heaven are those that do the will of the Father which is in heaven. But we need to ask ourselves, which law is he talking about? Is he talking about us doing the Old Testament law, like the animal sacrifices and the circumcision, or the New Testament law? And Colossians 2.14-17 makes it crystal clear that the seventh-day Sabbath, the seventh-day Sabbath was blotted out taken out of the way and nailed to the cross. Colossians 2, 14 through 16. That's clear. Now, he's not talking about the feast days like Passover and Pentecost. Those are already mentioned in verse 16 when he says, don't let them judge you with respect to a holy day. The holy days, those were the seven holy days that the Jews observed, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, so forth. Then he says, over the new moon or the Sabbath day. So he's got the daily, the meat and the drink, the respect of a holy day, that's the yearly, like Passover and Pentecost. The new moon is the monthly, and the Sabbath days, the only category left is this weekly. Seventh day Sabbath, it's been blotted out, taken out of the way, and nailed to the cross. Now that's very clear. It's not one of the things written by Paul that's hard to be understood. You're probably going to have to go to the book of Romans for this. This is not hard to understand because he says it in a very practical and factual way. He names the Sabbath as being one of the laws that Jesus nailed to the cross. That's not, that is very, very clear. Now, the problem is people don't want to accept that. They love their religion more than God. We were talking earlier about using the Bible as their guidebook, and they will not use the Bible as their guidebook. Instead, they want to follow what some man says. And if some man says they got to keep the Sabbath, but God says that the Sabbath has been nailed to the cross. If you're going to use the Bible as your guidebook, you're going to have to believe what Colossians 2, 14 through 17 says. Tamilia from Kentucky. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Um, my question is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'm very clear on what happens to um, a good and faithful servant, a Christian, when they pass away, when they die. But I'm really having a lot of issues, and I have researched... And it seems like everybody wants to be somewhat vague about when a person is not a Christian and when they die, do they go straight to hell? We talked about this on our last program, and I don't have time to talk about it in depth here, but Tamilia, if you go to my website, and I'm, I am going to talk about it, to my website, BibleCrossfire.com, and listen to the program from last week, okay? And I talk okay. about that quite extensively, but I'm going to turn... Now to Luke chapter 16, where we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. Okay? Right. In verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Then there was a beggar. The Bible says they both went to Hades. If you read Luke 16, verses 19 through the end of the chapter, they both went to Hades, but there were two kind of compartments with a wall or a gulf between them. The part where the rich man went was torments, and the part where Lazarus went was called comfort. Another place calls that paradise. 
So that's where dead people who die today before the judgment day go. Those that are, die outside of Christ go to torment. Those that die inside Christ, in Christ, Revelation 17, 14 says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. They go to this place of torment. Then after the judgment day, all the people who are in torments go to the bad place, H-E-L-L. And all the place in comfort go to heaven. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So actually the bad place that you're talking about um, is not actually hell. I'm going to have to let you go because I've got to go off the air. Thank you for your call. I'd like to talk to you more later, perhaps over the phone or via email, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Before we get off the air, I wanted to mention again about the one-hour phone Bible study. And I'm about to have to go off the air. If you would like to have a one-hour phone Bible study with me, give me a call or text me. What I'd like to do, if you have emails, I'll send you an email with the outline. We set up a time we can have a study, one-hour phone Bible study. The number is 256-682-9753. 